1: The Word of God is filled with the most fascinating stories. What's even more incredible, they're all true because His Word is truth. As His children, we should be excited about His Word. Join us today as Pastor Rander continues to encourage us to celebrate the Word. He'll be teaching from Psalms 119, verse 162. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Well, if the Lord say the same, this is the last... A message in this series, I've really particularly enjoyed this series on celebrate the word that was born in my heart when my wife and I were over in the Philippines dedicating the scripture into the language of a of a people group, the Cagayan people that did not have the scripture in their language, and our missionaries and, and that translation team worked for 30 years uh, as a group putting the scripture in their hand, and this series was born over there and so the title of this series has been for a number of weeks, Celebrate the Word. Say, Celebrate, celebrate. The, word. the Word. And the theme scripture for this series is found in Psalms 119, verse 162. Psalms 119, verse 162. That's the verse we've been laboring with. And that passage says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Even though God has spoken directly to his people audibly, even though God has spoken through dreams in the past, and even today, circumstances, trials, but the primary way in which God speaks is through his divine revelation, the word of God. And this word today, beloved, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You know why it is the same? It is the same because God is the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. His word is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen? It is a precious word. It is an infallible word. It is an inerrant word. Infallible, inerrant. It means it is without error, and it is absolutely trustworthy. You can't trust stocks. You can't trust the government. You can't trust people, but you can trust the word of the living God because the Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or tittle of his word fails. Heaven and earth will pass away. Amen. The word is sufficient. It is complete. And Satan himself knows the Bible has power. It has authority. And that's why Satan... Uh, fights the Scripture, and he puts false copies of Scriptures alongside the real truth, such as the Koran and Mormon Bibles and Jehovah Witnesses Bibles and others too numerous to name, in order to divert you from the real truth. You see, because he doesn't want you to have the truth, so he'll put a, he'll issue out um, uh, false copies of documents that others are calling scripture that is not the ultimate scripture that will introduce you to the true and living God. Satan also doesn't want us armed with the greatest weapon that can successfully defeat him and give believers ultimate victory. That's why he doesn't want you uh, getting to this book because he knows the damage it will do to the kingdom of darkness. He knows the damage it will do to him And he knows the success you will have should you take the Bible seriously. With that being said, by way of introduction, I pose a question to you. How have we been negligent with the word? Do you sense that we've been negligent as a whole, as Christians? Huh? Come on here. Amen. Have you been negligent with the word, even as an individual? I believe all of us have in one way, to one degree or another have been negligent with the word of the living God. There are many languages around the world that does not have the scripture in it. And yet we've had it for all of these years and we've become negligent with something so precious. So you say, well, I haven't been negligent. Well, let's see about that. How have we been negligent with the word? All of us have been negligent. To one degree or another. Uh, Number one, many have been negligent by way of ignorance. Say ignorance. Ignorance. What's frightening is that biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high among Christians. And so many Christians are so comfortable in the state of biblical illiteracy. Amen. When you try to look for John after Exodus, that, that, that's illiteracy, amen? When you can't quote John 3.16, that's biblical illiteracy. It's going to get quiet now, but you might want well to say amen to the truth. And I'm talking about in the church. old, oh, oh, been around the church a long time and can't adequately handle the word of God. That's why I believe bringing computers uh, with the word in it uh, really handicaps you because it keeps you from handling the word and being able to be able to go to those scriptures for yourself. Amen. Uh, just like your cell phone, you can, uh, you, you don't know your mama's number now, Harley, because you speed dial everything. You understand it? It cripples you. But in yesteryear, y'all understand what I'm saying? You. You you, you had to know, I still know my address from my boyhood, 3510 Kaplan Street, 77026, phone number uh, 654, I'm forgetting it now, (laughs) 3510. But that's way back in that I can recall because of those numbers that were ingrained in us. You know, kids can't count nowadays. You know why? Because they bring calculators to school. But when we were in school, we didn't have calculators. We did arithmetic. <laughs> Amen. You carried over and you subtracted and all borrowed and all of these things. These kids can't count. They got too many gadgets. But I believe that's why Alzheimer's is all time high. Is at all time high. Because we are not using our God-given brains. You know, it is a fact that we only use about 10% of our brain capacity. That's 90% of our brain that, that goes unused. So, and so you, you do yourself a brain. When you bring a book in here, amen, and don't bring a half Bible. No, no New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. If you got the New Testament... Amen. And I, and I say, well, turn to poems. <laughs> <laughs> Psalms, y'all. <laughs> then how are you going to turn there? How are you going to turn to those scriptures? You need a whole Bible. You need a whole Bible. You need a whole Bible. Bring all the book in here. So ignorance. And so many are ignorant with the word of God. Oh, you, you know you, you degreed, and many of you are educated, and you matriculated through all these things. And yet, when it comes to the scripture, such illiteracy is so pervasive in the church. Illiteracy, ignorance is at an all-time high. How have we been negligent with the word? We've been negligent by way of rebellion. Say rebellion. See, you know what the scripture says, but you refuse to obey it. That's rebellion. Uh, you, you know what it says, but you don't do what it says. Now, your rebe- there are different kinds of rebellion. There's open rebellion. You can sit there and grunt and, honey, I ain't doing that. That's open rebellion. Oh, that's a quiet rebellion. Oh, that's nice. But you're you nicely rebelling. Uh, you got a passive rebellion. You just let it pass you by. Uh, there's a procrastination type of rebellion. You say, say, tomorrow, later, somebody under my voice, you're going to procrastinate on receiving Christ today, hooking up with the church today, or connecting with the church, or getting your life right today. You say, tomorrow, next week, when I get this right, when I get that right. But beloved, if you can get it right without God, you don't even need God. You see, it's all Rebellion. Well, you know what the word says, and yet somehow excuse your way out of it. It's rebellion. How, we, how have we become negligent with the word? Uh, number three, we are, uh, m- many are ashamed of it. Many are ashamed of it. And uh, how can you be ashamed of the word of God? Romans 1.16 is profound. I love that scripture. It's one of my favorites. You say that about all of them. Well, I can't have it. And the one I'm reading at that time is my favorite. We're ashamed of it. Romans 1:16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. I'm not ashamed, says Paul, of the gospel of Christ. I love what Mark chapter 8, verse 38 says. Y'all hanging with me? Mark chapter 8, verse 38 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Say that. Me? And my words. That's Jesus. Jesus said, Whoever's ashamed of me, the Lord Jesus, and you're ashamed of the words, the words that he speaks, which is in scripture, in this adulterous and sinful generation. Look at that now. In this what adulterous and s- sinful generation. Is this an adulterous generation? Is this a sinful generation? Is this a hellish generation? Everything under the sun, unimaginable, is going on not only in secret places, but blatantly open. And then you're going to be ashamed with all this sin? When I'm shopping at H-E-B or moving around, people say, hey, Rev," I say, how you doing? They say, you still preaching? I say, well, are folks still sinning? (laughs) As long as folks are sinning, I'm going to be preaching. Now, when folks stop sinning, I stop preaching. Amen. Uh, yes, I'm preaching. Don't ask me that question. I'm preaching. I'm preaching now. It's, it, listen, with all that sin, all that hell, folk killing, baby killing, murder, putting folk in garbage cans, in trunks, dropping them in water. Just, I mean, you, when you think you've seen the worst, here come a new worst. It says adulterous, and this is a sexual craze society, all kind of stuff done in the name of sex. She says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with his holy angel. You're ashamed of God, he's going to be ashamed of you. We must never be ashamed of the word that saved us. How many have been saved by the word? You heard the word. Faith coming by what? Hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. You know? So it's the word that saves us. It's the word that Heals us when we are hurting emotionally. When we are grieving, the word comforts us. The word refreshes us. It also empowers us. And with all of that that the word does, how on this side of heaven can we be ashamed of a word that does so much? Oh, I, I said it when I first started this series. I was on the plane going uh, to the, my wife and I were going to the Philippines. I opened my Bible. On the plane, it's a long ways from here to the Philippines. Open my Bible, and the man sitting on the other side of my wife, same row, he looked around and said, uh, I see that book you're reading. Can you come around here and share it with me? I didn't know that man. I said, Woo, what an opportunity. But I, was, I opened my book. People open up all kinds of things around them. I love to open up my Bible, and they be cutting their eye, looking at it, and the person, and then I like to sit tight around folks. They're sitting all under me. And then I pull out this big bubble, boom. <laughs> you know how it is. And then they, they looking and they looking and they looking. And all of a sudden, a question will come and, and uh, something will happen. And I love to ask people, what do you do? I, that's one of my favorite questions in getting in a word from God. See, you have to evangelize strategically. Now I'm, I'm getting in a whole other area now, but that's all right. It's a diversion. So I, I set people up. And I ask them, now, what do you do? What kind of work do you do? Because when, I, when they tell me what they do, then what's the next question? What do you do? do, you do? And I said, well, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> then that's my door to tell them what I do. They say, well, where are you? Then I say, by the way, do you know Jesus? See, set up a stage. Stage your entrance for evangelism. Amen. But, but with that being said, but so don't be ashamed. Never be ashamed of a word that saves, heals, comforts, refreshes, and empowers. Don't be ashamed. Some of y'all ashamed to open your Bibles around your, co- around your coworkers, uh, friends. You in a beauty shop. You in a nail shop. You, you getting something done to your feet. Open the Bible. Don't be afraid of the Bible. The Bible will bless you and somebody else too. Somebody will just look at your Bible and get convicted. And God will charge that to your account in glory. All right. Somebody see you reading? They may not say a word to you. Way on the other side. Oh, she got a Bible. I haven't read my Bible, and I don't know when. I better get back to my Bible. But they saw your Bible. My wife and I, we were in a few. We had two funerals, major funerals in Houston this week, and uh, I had to stop somewhere. I can't remember where we stopped, and uh, and the lady said, uh, "Y'all, y'all just coming from church?" You you know why she could say that? It's because we look like we've been to church. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I mean, we look, you know what? For, you, we live in a day, I know I'm diverting all over the place, but it's all, it's, it's connected. <laughs> God is connected some kind of way. But we in a day where folk don't even look like they going to church. You know, I'm in H-E-B, i am in I look like I'm going to church. I'm not saying you have to be like this, but man, you ought to be decent. You don't come in church with flip flops, some white sh- shorts, and some little old body shirt on look like you going on your way to the beach. Some folk don't have to change clothes from the church to the beach. But yet, if you're just going downtown to the office of the mayor, you're not going up there no flip-flops to have lunch around his table. You're not doing it with the governor you're not doing it with the president, you gonna dress up and look your what best? The Bible says, "Prepare to meet your God." You don't just slide in here. Don't think about what you wear. You prepare to meet with God, and you look like you're going to meet with God. You say, "Am I commanding you to wear a suit?" No, I am not. But look decent, Amen, and have that aura about you to the glory of God. Won't you say Amen? All right. Now, with that being said, don't be ashamed of it. You know, the world's not ashamed. The world's not ashamed. The gay pride day, they're not ashamed. They're not ashamed to kill babies. They're not ashamed to murder. They're not ashamed to lie. They're not ashamed to cuss all on TV. Sports celebrities, celebrities that you add They're not ashamed. And you rooting for them, and they're cussing all over the place. They're not ashamed. As long as they can put the basket in the gold. But you're ashamed. Everybody else out of the closet, you've gone in the closet. Why don't you say amen? Number four, how have we been negligent with the word? By a failure to apply it. A failure to apply it. That's how we've been negligent. To apply the word, you say, what does it mean to apply the word? To apply the word is to use it. It is, it is to utilize it. You know, what, to apply means to practice the word. That's where the rubber hits the road. You practice the word. You know, what to, you know, the application of the word of God is the implementation of the word. You know, and that's expository preaching. Expository preaching is when I can take the text. When I can read the text, huh? Then I interpret what the text has said, then apply the text to the life so that we can have a transformed life to the glory of God. You read the text, interpret the text, then what? Apply. But a wrong interpretation leads to an abortion of the application. Y- y'all understanding me? I-, I hope I haven't lost y'all. If you, if you misinterpret, then your application goes down the drain. You understand? So you have to practice the word. To practice is to live out, to put it in your life, to live out the word of God is the application of the word of God. And many people will amen the word away. And after your amen and after you shout, you got to live it. What is an amen without a life lived according to the word? I mean, what, God doesn't care about you shouting, flipping benches, foaming at the mouth. He said, if you're not going to live it after you walk out of here, stop hollering, stop shouting. And for God's sake, don't speak in tongues. Amen. You, you, you just of the devil. Won't you say amen? He's getting quiet now. God, what matters is the word. It's the word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my what? To my path, my path. Okay? I' I'll say we've been negligent with the word. Many Christians have abandoned it. Say abandon it. by abandoning the word of God. You see, to abandon the word is to set it aside, to set it aside. It is, it is to desert the word. It is to forsake the word. Once you've abandoned the Bible, now here's a big thought, y'all. Once you've abandoned the Bible, should you attempt to get back to it, Satan intensifies the struggle to keep you from the most effective weapon to use against him. Once he gets you to set it aside, to desert it, to leave it, then if you are convicted by the word to get back to the word, you have to go through all hell to get back to the Scripture. He doesn't make it easy for you, and that's why some folk never get back to it because it's such satanic warfare because this book is the most effective tool on this side of heaven coupled with prayer to knock Satan out and give him a death blow, you see? So, and that's why it's so hard, and that's why it's so difficult. When you abandon the word, then Satan wants to lead you in the state of abandonment. Now, let's transition to another question. Y'all hanging with me? What do we do with the word? And if you got your Bible in the house, raise it up high. Just hold it up a second. Now, you know, that Bible, just keep holding it up. If, if, if it gets a little heavy, let it down a little bit, but hold it with both hands in there, That book is not decoration. What do you do with that book that you're holding in your hands? Now you may put it down. What do you do with it? Number one, here's what we do. Repent of our negligence of the word. Repent of our negligence of the word and be determined to get back into the word. Repent of our what? Negligence and be determined to get back into. And when you get in the word, you all don't speed read the word. Speed read magazines. Books, novels, all that stuff that's passing away. Speed read that. You cannot speed read the word and grow by it. Many times, I was meditating before the Lord and I was just in one chapter and I spent a whole hour just that I didn't get to. Sometimes I go just to read two and three and four chapters at a time. I was in that chapter. Cause I kept underlining, going back over, rereading, going back over, rereading. That's called meditation. It's mulling over, chewing over, internalizing and digesting the word to the glory of God. I, I, I meditate because God is speaking and I'm highlighting it with a Bible highlighter. I get, I have my red pen and I'm putting an asterisk here and, and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I say, ooh, this. And I'm right here and I get excited here and I shout there. That's the word. We need to repent of our negligence of the word and be determined to get back in the word. Number two, what do you do with it? Read it and eat it. Read it and what? Eat it. Revelation 1-3. Revelation 1-3. Read it and eat it. Revelation 1-3 says, Blessed is he who, underline this, reads. You know, you're blessed by just reading it. You get a blessing for just reading it. Blessed is he who reads and those who don't be afraid hear. You are hearing now the what words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. How many of y'all know the time is near? How many of y'all know Jesus is almost back? How many of y'all know your days are short? How many of y'all realize Jesus is, is, is on his way back and he's coming back soon? The three key words is blessed, reads, hear, keep. Keep. All of those you need to do and you get blessed by that because the time is near. It's not time for you to be foolish and acting a fool. It's not time for you to be a hypocrite. It's not time for you to be straddled a fence. The church on Sunday and hellish places on Saturday night. Look at Revelation chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. Y'all hanging with me? Help me, Holy Ghost. Revelation chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. When you finally say amen. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go! Take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat it, for it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter, verse 11. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. There's something profound in that verse, and I don't want you to miss it. John could not prophesy You know what prophesying is? It it is to give a divinely inspired revelation. John could not give a divinely inspired revelation to peoples, nations, tongues, and kings until he first had the word within him. He had to go get the word, then he what? Ate the word. Huh? It was bitter. But yet, what? Sweet. And so he could not minister to people until he first had the word eaten. Let me tell you something. There's something in that. How many of y'all want to do great things for God? Let me see your hands. Now listen. Why? Here's a big question. Why should God take you far if you haven't gone deep? Now you raise your hand saying, uh, I want God to, to do great things with me. Why should the Lord take you to faraway places and you don't have anything to say? He's not going to send you around the world to play patty cake. As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy. Yet, even in the midst of trials and tribulations,